You're listening to Football Friday Night On Demand exclusively on 600 ESPN El Paso. Stay up to date with high school football scores, updates, and news by downloading the free 600 ESPN El Paso mobile app. All right, welcome into the second edition of the Football Friday Night Podcast On Demand. Adrian Bradis with along with Alex Nicolas. Alex, we took a break last week. We are back in action. Week three is here, um, and, and it came, flew by. We know a lot more about uh, some of these teams across the city of El Paso. A little bit more. I feel like we have a really good grasp on some of these teams. We, you and I were talking about this off air, and uh, you know what? We this past week we weren't able to go on air for Football Friday night because of uh, Chihuahuas baseball, because of UTEP football, which ended up being a big dud over the weekend. But we're back. At, we're back here. We're ready to recap week three. How's it going? Alex and uh, I know you were at two big games this past weekend uh, it's going good Adrian always glad to talk some high school ball with you um, yeah I mean three weeks in the books pretty much at this point for majority of our teams here um, starting to get a feel like you mentioned of, of who's who you see some teams that were desperately needing a win pull out wins teams continue to roll um, continuing to roll and, and, and really things are starting to shape up at least over the first few weeks we kind of see who's Who's off to a strong start? Who could be potential district uh, contenders? You got some uh, guys that are out there putting up some early numbers for some MVP-type accolades, all district-type accolades. So things are starting to roll. No major upsets yet. Um, the season's sort of co- going along to the prognostics uh, of preseason as far as some of the scheduling. Of course, you know, you never expect Park going to go 0-3, but that's a – you know, that's something that we'll get into, a product of their tough scheduling. So, yeah, really starting to, to, to get a feel of who's who early on in the season and uh, approaching district play. I know 6A has the has that big bye week this week, but uh, district play right around the corner, and that's when it really all counts. So it's uh, the, the season's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint, and uh, approaching that midway point of it's pretty soon. Well, let's get right after it. We have the week three recap. We'll go down some of the games from this past week. We'll also talk some 6A playoff predictions in this one. We'll talk some standouts, of course, uh, preview next week ahead. So let's start from our our game of the week this past week. It was Riverside Isleta. In this one, you talk about getting off to a great start. How about the Riverside Rangers and head coach Gary Recoder and what he's been able to do with this Rangers team? I, I think, I mean, right now, what, what they've been showing us has been uh, beyond impressive. And with a 52-27 victory against Yasleta, I mean, that's a statement victory right there over your rivals. Running back Jose Guardado, the junior, 634 on the ground, eight rushing touchdowns against Yasleta. He had three total touchdowns. I, you know, I'm just going to throw it at you, Alex. Is Does Riverside have the 10-0 potential this year? Can they go undefeated? Can they run the table? Because the way that they're looking right now, pretty strong. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, talking to some coaches, you know, off record uh, in their own district, I mean, everybody's on notice with with what Riverside has this year. You know, you talk about Speedy Munoz, Jose Guadardo, whether it's in the air, whether they're in the backfield, I mean, they have a very, very good chemistry. Um, you know, Guardado, uh, you know, went for three, Brad for 500 yards first two games of the season, and then he goes out and, and has a quiet 12 carries, 111-yard uh, game. So what you're starting to see now is you're starting to see their top two players really infect their entire team, um, holding a, a really explosive, in my opinion, explosive just led a team to just 27 points. I know that game was going back and forth early on, um, but to see those adjustments, to see their defense really step up, that's what's really more impressive. And hearing uh, Coach Recorder's uh, interviews after the game, he gave praise to his whole team. You know, you look at the past couple, the first two games, like I mentioned, where uh, Guardado's just putting up ridiculous video game type numbers. And then you see in a, in a game against a 5A foe at that, where he doesn't have to really explode, he just does his job and everybody else around him really kind of comes through you talking about the D de- I'm really more talking about the defense. That's what's most impressive to me about Riverside is that this team does have the bona fide stars, but you see the little things coming together as a team. And that's, what's going to make them really, really tough, uh, particularly in their district. And of course, come playoff time, when you have a defense that can, that can shut down um, at any point in the game, no matter if you're getting uh, beat up early on in the game, if you can turn that, you know, make those adjustments and, and turn it around at some point, you know, that can travel, you know, I'm talking about the playoffs. So that's what's more impressive, seeing the way that they're able to handle that game and really 
return what I felt in early on in that game. I think it was, like I said, it was back and forth, 21, 21, 27, 27. I, I might be off on that one, but it was really close in the 20s. And then to see Riverside just take it over at that point and stretch that lead to that 45-27 lead when it was pretty much in hand at that point. They won 52-27, but it, it really speaks to the potential of depth and talent that this 4A team really has in a not your typical 4A team, Major, and that's for sure. Yeah, not at all. And for Riverside, again, I'm, I'm looking at their schedule right now, Alex. Two weeks from uh, – actually, two weeks from Friday, they'll take on Monahans. That's going to be one of those early interesting tests for this Riverside team. That's probably their biggest challenge, though, when you really look at their schedule. I, I'm looking at it. I look at Alpine. Uh, then they start district play, of course, against San Eli, Fabens, Mountain View, close the season off against Clint. Uh, they have a great chance to try to run the table and go undefeated this year which would be a, a remarkable accomplishment for this Riverside group. It was. I mean, you're looking at where they've been to now. Um, hadn't beat Yisleta since 2012, I think, was was the the, uh, the stat that I heard. Um, you know, obviously moving down to 4A helps with their enrollment, you know, helps them on the even playing field and district play. But, um, you know, what they did against a 5A school just shows exactly what you're saying. This is a full turnaround. You know, this this could be a team that, you know, by the end of the year is not sending that 9-1 and plateau, even 10-0, and and they have that ability because they have speed. Um, you know, you're looking at the experience now, you know, a lot of juniors on this team that played a lot last year. So, you know, you have some experience starting to, to, to show its head, especially in a game like you said, a, uh, you know, a rivalry game, full house there, and to be able to pull away that they did really shows maturity from that team that's, you know, really kind of an upstart team under Gary Recoder. They haven't had success at Riverside. Ooh, you know, you got to go back to, you know, maybe about a decade ago, um, you know, where they had some playoff success. And, you know, it's coming back. And then that community down there, they're proud. Um, you know, they're going to show up for the Rangers. And I think, you know, you're looking at this all year long of, of a team that's going to consistently put up numbers. And it seems that's just going to impress us with the way that they win games this year. You mentioned consistently putting up numbers. Perfect segue to talk about Eastlake. Uh, I, I mean, what what can we really say about this team? Head coach Ruben Rodriguez, 3-0 and to start off the year. Consistency has been the name of the Falcons game. I mean, they just, they're coming off a 36-13 victory against Parkland. They're outscoring opponents in a significant margin. I gr- Granted, they haven't played uh, anybody at the caliber like some of these other 6A teams have faced. I'm, I'm talking, you know, Mont- Wood taking on Central. You're talking about Eastwood taking on Smithson Valley this past weekend. But still, Eastlake's doing what they're supposed to do, and that is take care of business against, um, you know, what what you might argue is inferior opponents. Now, Eastlake enters district play with all the momentum in the world. Senior quarterback Sebastian Rendon, over 700 passing yards on the season thus far, nine total touchdowns. Uh, But, of course, it's Elijah Uribe, who was quiet this past weekend, 69 on the ground 39 receiving yards and a touchdown um i I know that he's the he's really the key to their success one of the best players if not the best player in all of 6a now eastlake's got america's Pebble Hills and Franklin to start off in 6A, which is really interesting because that sets them up to take on Eastwood Friday, October 15th, followed by a game against Montwood Friday, October 22nd. Man, that month of October is going to be a lot of fun to watch in 6A and particularly with the Eastlake Falcons, the way they've played recently. And, and that's how that's where we're really going to find out how real this Eastlake Falcon team is. And, and even before that Eastwood game, you look at, at the tough October starting with Franklin, you know, Franklin looked real good against Andrews last week. And we'll talk about that here in a second, but you know, that's kind of a murderer's row. You know, when I look at right now, who the top three teams going into the, going into the district, um, district schedule you're looking at Franklin and Eastwood to me are right there along with with Eastlake and, th- and they play them back to back and it seems there's but the the dates may be off here on their Mac prep uh, schedule just a bit or they have the wrong Franklin on here that's what it is they have the Franklin Texas team uh, from East Texas but nonetheless I mean that is really going to tell us how good this Eastlake team is and what's been impressive to me is yes the offensive numbers we're seeing Sebastian Rendon uh, really establish himself he's completed 54 percent of his passes exactly 700 yards passing already nine touchdowns to zero interceptions but on the defensive side that's what's really been impressive um the way that they've been able to hold teams down and really suffocate them Hector Hinojos um you know a guy that already has three sacks 
leads the team in tackles. He's a junior linebacker. This guy's a District 16A already, in my opinion, a 16A uh, type of MVP type candidate already. He's been leading the way along with Jaime Guerrero, a senior defensive back. They have a really, really good front front uh, front three that they run. They run that odd front with Caleb Emery off the edge. Um, you also see Brandon Lita inside that defense. That's a really, really good defense, and that's to me, what I'm more impressed, what, what I want to see them go up against those top teams. You know, you talk about their offense, their system. I think they could put up yards against anybody. I really want to see how East Lake's defense hangs in one six eight because you have some really good offenses. Just like I saw last Friday with Franklin, and of course, everybody knows uh, we talked about uh, with Coach uh, Julio Lopez a couple of weeks ago about their offense and their consistency. That's going to be a, a, a tough stretch in, uh, for East Lake. And if anybody, you know, it, it's kind of interesting to see the way that East Lake has been rolling you going into week one against america's will the bye week affect them you know you know that's really my question as you know you look at early in the season when teams are rolling like east lake is you know is it time for a bye week may maybe a, a trap bye week here for east lake to open up district even against america so very very interesting team to watch like you mentioned just as, as they go through the, as, as, as they go through their schedule and the competition rises is this East Lake team for real? That's going to be a big question. They've proven it so far, um, you know, beating up on some really, really good 5A teams, not taking anything away from East Lake. But, yeah, that competition gets tough, and, and that defense are going to get tested. But they passed every test with flying colors, especially the way that they handled a very, very athletic Parkland team last week. We'll get back to 6A in just a little bit. I, I definitely want to get into it because there's Franklin to talk about. There's Montwood, of course, Eastwood. But let's talk a little 5A. Uh, and and let's, let's start with Parkland, who, you know, Eastlake really killed this past weekend, 36-13. And for the Parkland Matadors and head coach Eric Franz, they find themselves in a very unfamiliar place that they have uh, have not been in, in a long time, and that's 0-3. Are they the best 0-3 team in, in the city right now? El Dorado also 0-3. America's 0-3 right now. We've got, of course, Bowie, El Paso High 0-3. Are they the best 0-3 team right now, Alex? I think so. At least at 5A, you know, they're trying to figure it out at quarterback. Um, they're trying to find that right mix. They have a young junior running back that, that – Obviously, could at the end of the season be one of the top five backs in the city. They have another young receiver in in, uh, in Damari and Chris Daniels. You know, this is a very very young team that's going through some growing pains. And also, you know, I want to credit Coach Franz. You know, Parkland has been ridiculed the past you know four or five seasons during this run is because everybody said, oh, you you play nobody. You're ten and zero, um, nine and one at the end of the season, whatever it is, and you go in the playoffs. And and you know, Parkland's won some playoff games, but that's really been the knock. Well, this year there's no weekly link in that schedule you know so I actually credit uh, this Parkland team for going out there and scheduling the way that they did opening up against an Eastwood team that, you know, they probably feel that they should have won that game. I feel maybe they should have won that game. Um, you know, Andrus handled them early on, but they were able to fight back in that game. And then, um, you know, that Eastlake game, that score really was never close from what I was looking at. But this is going to make this team better. You know, when you're talking about matching up against the Cano Thiels, um later in the season, and, and this is a playoff team, no doubt about it. But, you know, these are good growing pain losses for this Parkland team. It's just going to make them better. Now, they may go into to the playoffs seven and three six and four but they're going to be a dangerous seven and three six and four team um you know in the playoffs but you know i don't think there's any reason to worry yet for parkland because they have the talent and they are going to be one of the top teams in their district i just think this is a really really good measuring stick to see how much the you know how much this young matador team has to grow um and yeah i think you know come week eight week nine later in the season i wouldn't want to play this parkland team because they're gonna it's gonna pay dividends this early this rough early start in a sense just because of their schedules was has been very very tough I know before the season started a lot of talk was can Eric Franz make it four in a row can he win the district title four straight times and really pry you know the power I guess the balance of powers away from somebody a program like um, you know Kenya Tio now the Matadors do return six starters on both offense and defense but you're right when you're talking about most of their key players, they're, they're like, you know, their skill players. It's a lot of newcomers on this Parkland team. I'll read off the next three games for you. Bowie, Del Valle, and then at El Dorado for uh, Parkland. If they win two out of those three, I think they're kind of back on track. And, and we kind of know, you know, against the Conquistadores, that's going to be a big uphill battle for the Matadors. 
Yeah, and, and it still shows of, of how tough that, you know, Eric Franz is trying to schedule. He's scheduling up there in a sense, you know, and that's 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 going to be big for them going forward, um, you know, because you're looking at this Bowie game. Bowie's having an off year. Um, that should be an easy win for Parkley. You're talking about getting back onto the winning track um, and then having Del Valle at home. That's sort of like a, um, you know, you can look at that in a sense as like a, a preparation for district play. It's, a, you know, a, a non-district game that's going to have a lot riding on it. You're at home. Delva is going to be good. You're going to have to get up for that one. So I think from an emotional standpoint for Parkland, that's going to be a really good game for them to, to really just kind of get the juices going right before district play with that Delvaya game. That's going to tell us a lot. That's really going to tell us at the midpoint of the season how much this young team has grown. Not maybe so much from an X's and O's scheme, but just maybe from a maturity standpoint of how they can go out there and really handle some early season adversity, or excuse me, uh, ad, uh, uh, some, some adversity that's coming their way you know, taking out Bowie this week and then coming, you know, having to bounce back and play a really good Del Valle team. That's at the midway point right before district play. And that's going to be a, a good turning point for this young team. And just like you said, that that may answer that question. If Coach Eric Franz can, can get this team, um, you know, back to their winning ways right before district play starts and have some resounding wins. I know they would like to beat um, Del Valle, you know, and, and have that confidence going into district play. So that's going to be a very interesting non uh, not an interesting stretch of their not tough non-district schedule before they hit that district play. Let's stick in 2-5A. Canutillo's 2-1 on the season. They are coming off a, a pretty easy victory against Chapin, uh, where L.J. Martin, their star tailback, rushed for 112 yards. He had a touchdown on the ground. He He's totaled 449 on the ground this year with five total touchdowns. Quarterback Devin Granados, he's also pretty strong for this group. Eight total touchdowns this year. Had a buck 71 against Chapin. Three passing touchdowns against Chapin. I like that as well. Uh, what, what's your impressions on this Canutillo Eagle? seem so far Alex you know I watched a little film mainly on their defense because I'm gonna be covering their game against Del Valle this weekend and this is just your typical Del Valle uh, Canotillo defense you know just uh their front their odd front they can go odd they can go even front with you um their backers are, are just fast like normal um nothing's changed from that Del Valle defense that's what I've seen from them and of course you throw in that that talented kid LJ Martin um, you know, one of the, the backers that really stood out to me on film was Jesus Carrillo. Uh, you know, he feels like, you know, just like a Canotillo defense does, their front three, their front four, however they line up against you because they can go multiple. They fill up the gaps. They crash those gaps, and their linebackers just come right behind and, and, and fill and tackle well. That's what I see when I look at this Canotillo defense. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, you're looking at their start of their season. They've had a really tough schedule as well, you know, holding off a good Burgess team, kind of fell apart against each East Lake with East Lake speed, um, but now they have an opportunity. And then, you know, the way that they handled a good Chapin team, which Chapin has some issues on their offensive line, to see Canotillo sort of expose that by holding them to 13 points, you know, that was a big confidence win, I think, for Canotillo heading into this Del Valle game, which I, which in turn is going to tell us a lot about this Canotillo team. I think if you see Canotillo, um, you know, either hang with Del Valle, which I think they're going to give Del Valle all they can handle. This is going to be a really close game or beat Del Valle. I think they're the clear on favorites. You know, Parkland's got to prove that. Mm. But to me, their defense is really what's going to be key. And I know they lost some guys. I'm interested to talk with Coach uh, Brooks to see how many other guys got back. I know week one they lost a few defensive starters. But, um, you know, just seeing what they do as far as their team defense and then the way that L.J. Martin is out here just doing what we expected him to do, you know, preseason averaging 147, 149 yards a game. 6.4 yards per carry, you know, he's going to be a big part of the, of what they're going to do. And then obviously the quarterback, uh, Devin Granados, he's a playmaker. You know, that's something that always adds intrigue to what Canotillo does on offense. If they have somebody that can that can run that breed option and, and be a, a kind of a, uh, a nice little change of pace to their main back with LJ Martin, I think Devin Granados, uh, you know, keeping him healthy is also a key. But it's going to be a big test for them against El Valle to see if their defense is up there, uh, you know, to be able to, to stop an elite run runner uh you know like christian martinez is for del valle let's talk del valle they are easily the clear favorites to win super 5a right now um chapin bel-air el dorado seem 
you know, far step be behind them in terms of talent, in terms of just how the program is structured. And what the conquistadores have shown me through three games is this team is tough. I, I don't know what, what the kind of preseason chatter was about this group, just, you know, and where they would stack up in this district, but man, Del Valle has proved that they are out and they, they want to win this district title in a big way. You know, I was looking at the stats this past weekend because America's hung in with them. It was a very close game until uh, Del Valle was able to, uh, you know, take control of it toward the end of this one, put it away. And Del Valle comes out with a 49-36 victory. America's with a couple late touchdowns to make it close. Um, but I was, you know, of course, I've been very impressed with their tailback, Christian Martinez, four, 484 on the ground this year, 65 carries. He's had four total touchdowns on the year. And then the progression at quarterback from Jesse Ramos. I mean, this junior gunslinger he goes from throwing 35 yards against Coronado looked like he was way too nervous maybe looked a little unprepared for that opener but then he settles into himself against Pebble Hills throws 135 and two touchdowns but Alex this past weekend he throws for 278 five passing touchdowns has a rushing touchdown on the ground for the conquistadores against Americas I mean back-to-back victories over six eight teams for Del Valle now they go up against the toughest stretch yet I mean they go up against Canyotillo on the road then they've got Parkland on the road in back-to-back weeks I love it for Del Valle who's off to a great start yeah, that's kudos to head coach Rudy Contreras for really getting this team going early on in the season. Um, you know, you mentioned Jesse Ramos, a guy that's just to me a perfect fit for that balanced offense. Uh, you know, you're looking at his passing numbers, you know, Canote, or excuse me, Del Valle wants to run the ball. So what they're getting out of him is efficient quarterback play, completing 62% of his passes, seven touchdowns, no interceptions. He doesn't turn the ball over. That is key. And then he can move around a little bit. You know, he averages 55 yards per rush, and he's also run for three touchdowns. That adds to the dynamic ability of Christian Martinez, who you mentioned. He's averaging 161 yards per game, has gone for over 100 yards in each of his first three games. And, oh, by the way, Del Valle's defense have also, has also taken away th- – has, has recorded three takeaways in the first three games as well. So you're seeing it come from both sides of the ball um, for Del Valle. And not only that, but it seems like they have a little receiving core that they're not just relying on one or two receivers. When you look at, at their numbers, they have – two or three guys that can go out there and, and catch the ball and be consistent and make plays. And I think that's what's going to be key for Del Valle, keeping their offense as multiple as possible. And I think that's a credit to Rudy Contreras really developing his group of guys. And we're starting to see that manifest itself. Now, obviously district play, you know, for them, district's easy for them. I'm just going to keep it real. You know, let's just be real. You know, you're looking yeah. at how teams have started so far, um, you know, in that district play, you know, they're the clear cut favorite. So for Del Valle, the next, couple weeks it's about staying healthy continuing to grow and continue to develop your playmakers but this week honestly in my opinion this may be their toughest game I know they have that El Centro team on the road that they're paying back um that they that came into play uh oh, that's right for I believe it was South Point that they were supposed to play that year South Point canceled out so they're able to pick up uh Central to come in so besides that Central game this Canotillo game and of course Parkland back-to-back weeks big test for Del Valle you know obviously on the road as well um, so you know Del Valle this is going to be another one of those weeks where they've already proved themselves this next two weeks is proving themselves as okay is this a team that can go out there and again defeat somebody on the road in the playoffs I think they can these two these next two weeks are going to tell us how good they can be as far as their playoff prognostications because they're clearly the best team in Division 115A. El Central Central I didn't think we'd get an update from them. I love it. One and three on the season. I love that mention right there. And I can't, I, for, I totally forgot about this game that they're going to be paying them back, Alex. Good call there. Uh, let's it just is, it's to, hiding on their schedule in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny. It's buried in there. Let's shift to 5A, uh, one 5A, because I know you saw two of these, uh, you know, the two of these affiliates in this district this past weekend. You saw Burgess, you saw Andrus. Give me the takeaways from those two teams without revealing too much on Montwood and Franklin. And, and, and tell us what you know about those two teams early on into the season. You know, starting with Burgess, um, you know, Burgess really was, was sort of exposed as far as their youth at quarterback. Um, you know, Montwood's defensive line really, really dug in, and, and they were pressuring Andy Rutledge all night long. 
Um, you know, their front seven was giving uh, Burgess's offensive line fits. They really couldn't get Tavares Jones going. You know, I think I had him at 187 or something like that. But 90 of those came on a, on a hook and ladder play at the end. See, they, I think they gave it to him passing-wise as, as, as far as that stat. But um, Burgess only statted him with 77 yards, which is what I had. He did run for a 90-yard hook and ladder. So they really kept him in a bottle. And Burgess has to find different ways to get their playmakers the ball. Um, that's really going to be a key for Burgess. Their offensive line does sort of worry me, um, but I still think they're the second best team in that district. Them and Austin, that's going to be a really good game. Uh, but, you know, they have some talent there with Sean Street. Um, I really like Adam Sierra. He's a sure-handed receiver as well. Um, and then Ray Campos is another receiver that I think can really help them out. But they got to figure out a way to sort of give Rutledge a little bit of time, whether it's sprint outs. I know they like to run that two-back cross set. Um, you know, there may be some play action that they may want to run and get him out of the pocket a little bit. Um, I think it was, it was a learning curve um, really for both teams you know even looking at Andres uh, of what um, of how well that they played in the second quarter of that game um, where they were down 20 to 7 and it looked like um, Franklin was going to run away with it and Andres was able to take the lead 21 to 20 but right before the half their defense splintered um, and Franklin went down the field scored and took a 27-21 lead, in, lead into half and Andres just could never recover but I think for Andres it's more of a motivation thing you know this team was started off really flat. There was not even joking. There was seven defensive offside penalties called by the Andrews oh, defense. Gosh. So it was really a lack of focus in this game because Andrews, there was a 41 21 game. But if you look at it, and obviously Franklin dominated the statistics, but it was really a close game just because, and it wasn't close on the scoreboard because Andrews really bit themselves, you know, with those penalties. You know, they shot themselves in the foot time and time again, particularly on third down where it was third and nine, they jump offside and all of a sudden Franklin have a third down for that was really more of a focus thing for Andrews so it was a wake-up call I really really think that this is a loss that maybe this Andrews team sort of needed to sort of ground them you know they played three really tough two really tough games to start off the season uh dominated Chapin dominated Parkland for about what I would say about 35 minutes of that game um and then like you said they were able to fight back against Franklin but really for for me it's a good loss for Andrews to really kind of sit back and 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 look at their team look at where they need to go and it's really a focus thing and an energy thing for Andrews when they're focused and bringing the energy they're one of the toughest teams to beat in town like they always are so it's a good humbling loss for Andrews before a, a long district play starts uh where they're open up against Bowie but still impressive numbers that you know you're looking at Andrew or excuse me still perfect uh impressive with Andrews is is, is personnel Malachi Doe Malcolm Anderson clearly the favorite out of uh in 25A D2 um but yeah the, the, between the between the years that's where you where you're going to see how good this Andrews team could be and I think this is a good loss for coach Taylor to really go back and, and humble the team you know go into the go into the bye week get some guys healthy and uh you know come on getting ready for district play there I'm thrilled about this district. There are teams that are dark horse candidates to try to win the district title. And a lot is on the line. Let's just, let's just throw it out there. Also, Alex, I mean, uh, Burgess wants to make the stake and say, Hey, we've won three consecutive district titles. Although last year was a share with uh, the Andrus Eagles and Andrus wants to say, Hey, we went back to back and we did it with a new uh, head coaching staff. You have Austin who, you know, is defying all odds right now. Jaden Wilson on the ground. And as a linebacker, he has, 317 total yards on the ground, 24 tackles, leads that Austin Panthers team in that smash mouth football style that they play under head coach Eric Pichardo. Uh, Irvin, the Irvin Rockets, how about John Nutson? He's got 849 through the air, eight passing touchdowns. He's got four picks, but it looks like a true, you know, it looks like a true gunslinger for the Rockets. I, I've really liked what I've seen from him. And then, of course, it all goes to the 3 0 Jefferson Silver Foxes. Nathan, I'll repeat Kala, that. Repeat that. Repeat the that three again. three and that L Jefferson Silver Foxes. Isn't that crazy, Alex? Quarterback Nathan <laughs> Alcala, 587 through the air, eight passing touchdowns, 14 total. Uh, can they win this district, Alex? Let me throw it at you. Can they win this district? You know what? I I'm going to be honest with you. They're a playoff team. Um, they are a playoff team. Now, can they win district? Let me tell you what. Their schedule sets up in a way where they play Andrus the last week of the season. They control wow. that destiny. They control that destiny, does Jefferson. Now, this is, a, this is an experienced team. Nathan Akala, Arturo Rubio, I remember talking to those guys when they were young sophomores and they were making little ends. They, they were starting to put up yards, getting some wins, putting up some points. Well, now they're seniors, and this is paying dividends. So, to me, 
I don't know if they're a district uh, title contender yet. I think they're a playoff team. But like I mentioned, the way their schedule sets up, that last game on the, uh, on the season sets up uh, November 5th. They're at Andrus. They could control their own destiny to put themselves in a position to be district title contenders. Starts off with beating Burgess. That's going to be a tough one. You know, you open up with that one in two weeks. That's really – I would think that's the start of the run there. If you beat Burgess and you're Jefferson, you set yourself up to really control your own destiny the rest of the way because you play Irvin, which is going to be tough. You play El Paso, which having a down year, obviously Austin's tough too. Um, but like I mentioned, it, the district title to me in this district runs through Anderson. And if – if you're Jefferson, you don't play them till the end. So that is the, that sort of advantage, Jeff, in a sense. But, you know, you're looking at, at the excitement of the Jefferson Silver Foxes overall. You know, can, couldn't be more excited for, for Coach Martinez and, and that staff who's really, really done just a heck of a job of turning this thing around. And like I mentioned, this is not something that's really – an overnight sensation, if you will, for Jefferson. This team has been growing over the past three years and really going back to, we want to go back to 2017 um, when Arturo Rubio's brother, Jose Rubio, they broke their playoff streak. Um, you know, so this is a long time coming for Jeff to really break out of, of you know, really been, you know, some tough losing seasons. And I'm looking it up here. The last time Jefferson was 500 or better, you got to go back to 2007 when they went five and five. So they have a chance to break some 14 year history. And then going back a little bit even deeper, they haven't had a winning record since 2005. So this is definitely some unfamiliar territory for the Foxes, but so glad um, that they're able to continue their run that they had over the past couple years with Coach Martinez. And I think this year is a year that you'll see a Jefferson team finish above 500 for sure. Man, you're gonna need to cool me off after that one. I I, I got too excited <laughs> off Jefferson. <laughs> let's let's talk some six A. Um, let's let's shift back over there, and we'll talk about those two teams that you watched over the weekend as well. Montwood as they defeated Burgess this past weekend, twenty nine to thirteen. Franklin, the Franklin Cougars, who get their first victory of the year, forty one twenty one against Andrus. Uh, I got I got two questions for you for both these games. First off, with uh, Yamil Oaxaca, is he the best wide receiver wide receiver? in the city right now and then for Franklin do they do they need uh their their powerful running back in Stephen Powers do they still need him uh moving forward what what were your assessments on both teams for Montwood and Franklin Alex you know looking at Montwood I mean Oaxaca is the real deal um you know just affects the game in a lot of different ways. He, you know, you have to account for him. It was funny because I was after after the end of the game, uh, I went down to the field and, and kind of was around the handshake with both teams. And, uh, you know, Burgess guys were like, where's Yamo at? Where's Yamo at? Every team, uh, whether it's the beginning of the game, the end of the game, they're trying to identify number two for Mawit. So he's he's a big player, had another 100-yard game. So I think I had him like at 107, uh, nine catches, 100, another touchdown in that game. You know, he's the real deal. But, you know, for Mawit, you know, they got to f- develop some other weapons. I know Diego's been out, the, uh, his brother Diego Oaxaca. That's going to be a big key for Montwood as far as their offense is developing uh, uh, weapons outside of Yamil Oaxaca because there's going to be some teams that are going to bracket them. They're going to bring help. They're going to double team. They're going to bring that safety over the top. They're going to do things to try to take him away. Um, so for Coach, uh, you know, Coach Fama, Coach, he used that offensive staff. Um, you know, uh, I know they hired Coach Delazo um, that was over there at, at, at uh, El Dorado. That's right. They're, they're going to have to get real creative as far as what they're going to do offensively. I like that running back, Isaiah Claudio. You can tell he's a little young as far as his um, – as far as his decision making, um, you know, as a runner, but he's really explosive as well. I think he's going to develop well as the season goes along. But yeah, Yamil is the real deal. I just think they got to find some other weapons around him, and they have some bodies there. They have some athletes. I know uh, Diego Oaxaca was in a sling, so hopefully that's not uh, too much of a prolonged injury, and they get him back because I know he makes a big difference. Um, they can move him all around their offense just like they do Yamil. Um, but yeah, I was more impressed though with Montwood's defense. Their front seven and look very, very good um, against, you know, a pretty tough to prepare for uh, Burgess defense. And Ivan Rangel went over there from uh, – he went from Del Valle to Hanks to Montwood. So that hire starting to pay dividends. Uh, Want to shout out 
out Caleb Montes, the middle linebacker, had a big interception in that game, leads the team in tackles. You know, he's a very, very talented part of that defense, experienced player. He's a senior. He's a big part of, of what they did against Burgess last week. So, you know, that's going to be a, a, an interesting team to watch grow. To your Franklin question, you know, uh, with Stephen Powers being out, um, as far as what I'm looking at, as far as their team overall, I think where they're going to need Stephen Powers is more on that defensive side. Um, you know, you're looking at Shea Smith, who to me is more built as a as a safety. They had him in the box playing linebacker last week. No way. Um, so, you know, that's going to be interesting to see. They need him for depth. I, I, and in my opinion, they really need him for depth. Talking with the coaches, he, it is an injury. They're hoping that he's back in the next couple of weeks. But, yeah, they're really, really going to need him. I think more on the defensive side than anything. Um, and I, and I got to talk about Cameron Bird, man. I mean, what a performance by Cameron Bird. Four touchdown passes in the first half last week. Um, just uh, you can just see the experience factor that he has nine touchdowns two interceptions oh and by the way miles mccorder he's real bro he is real um i i had him i, I guess i shorted some of his stats from last week uh, franklin had him at 150 i had him at about 100 but the guy runs hard he is as talented as they come he's a tough runner and really uh, he was a workhorse 28 carries last week and he only had about three minus rushes or big minus rushes but only three of them he's going to be a big factor they have him for two, for 150 and a touchdown and also um four catches 67 yards had a had a nice little took a nice little swing pass with about four seconds left and then goes into the end zone and scores right before the half against Andres. i mean just total playmaker um and you know what you can tell that that team was hungry they wanted to get that win they had played two really good teams and came up just short um you know or really came up short to uh to the Rio Rancho team in game one I know they lost pretty uh there was a score a gap in the score against Midland Christian but two tough teams that really got Franklin ready against Andrus and you can tell they're ready and, and Cameron Bird to me in my opinion here's here's a hot take he's the best quarterback in the city right now best passing wow. quarterback that I've seen in the city I mean his decision making some of the throws that he was making against a very good very lengthy and athletic Andrus secondary I mean this guy there's a reason why he's completing 65% of his passes and I think he's going to continue to grow and not only that but they have a, a little you know, they have a cachet of receivers I like what I saw out of that receiving core um, you know both Sparks is consistent um, you know, Franco Hernandez had two touchdown catches. One was a long one. McWhorter out of the backfield. Um, Dominic Hernandez was also reliable. And then they have another uh, another Dominic in there, Dominic Arellano. They, you know, there was a point in the first half where Bird completed six different completions of six different receivers. That's what shows me as good as he can be. Not only that, he was making plays on third down, which to me gives him that distinction as the best passing quarterback that I've seen so far in the city. And I think he's just going to continue to get better. This is a guy that's played over the past couple of years, Adrian, as you know. So Franklin is a team to get, is a team to watch out for, not only offensively, um, but once they get Stephen Powers back on that defensive side, I mean, that's going to make a very, very big um, improvement to, to not only the talent that they already have there, but of course we know what he brings um, to the table and his talent, of course, uh, an all state wrestler as well. To put it in perspective, is he better than uh, Danny Walther, who was the uh, Franklin Cougars quarterback, I believe, in 2019 it was his senior year? Was he better than him? I think he's a better short passer when you're talking about those West Coast concepts, the out routes, um, the hitches. You know, Cameron Burgess kind of has that clock and that timing down. You know, Walther was a really good quarterback as far as stretching the field. Walther could thread it on that deep post of the Gabe Stonewalls of the world and those receivers that he had. I think Cameron Bird fits this more West Coast type style where, I mean, I think I had him 22 of 24. Let me see where Franklin had him last week. But, you know, that's the type of guy. He was 22 of 23. I guess I missed an incompletion or, or, or discredited him or gave him an extra one. But, I mean, when you look at that, you know, and they were throwing the ball, like I said, it wasn't like short little hitches. These were about seven, eight-yard routes, and that was most impressive, that he was throwing dimes out there and, and able to and able to move the ball on third down so I think Cameron Bird has sort of surpassed that type of expectation of being the best quarterback in the city as the season goes on and he can and he's had some stiff competition you talk about Andrew Martinez who we talked to his head coach last week um you know but Cameron Bird to me just looked very very comfortable um you know and you look at his numbers over the past couple of weeks too 315 against Cleveland uh, 213 you know, almost completed 60 percent of his passes against a really good Midland Christian defense as I, oh, I've actually saw 
um, you know, he's just going to continue to get better. And I think he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks uh, in that district. And that's a, that's a good quarterback for, that's a good uh, district for quarterbacks indeed. Oh yeah, most definitely. Let's talk about the playoffs because this, this district, you told me you had it ready. You have it down as far as your top four teams in this or who will make the playoffs. Let's hear it, Alex. I'll give you my list right after yours and then we'll break it down. You know, I think you look at the top, obviously, right now, Eastlake and Eastwood, they're 1A, 1B. Um, you know, obviously, Eastlake will take the nod um, for the 3-0 record. And But if you're an Eastwood fan, you're going to scream at me, well, Eastlake ain't played nobody, Paul. But, well, you know what, hey, y'all going to play soon, October 15th. I already got that afternoon off. That That's going to be the one <laughs> – that's going to be the, the separator of the 1A, 1B between Eastwood and Eastlake. Um, are you watching Franklin? I think Franklin's that third team in there. I think Franklin is going to continue to get better. Um, you know, obviously, Coach. Walker is hoping to return on the, in the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, getting Stephen Powers back is going to help. I talked about their offense. I think they're going to, now that they've played the, those two tough out-of-town opponents, they played Andrus tough. They were able to beat Andrus. Um, what they probably feel handily, which they did really in the second half, held Andrus to just 54 total yards of offense after Andrus had 204 in the first half. I think Franklin is really etching that third spot. Now, they can, with those matchups against Eastlake and Eastwood, they can climb themselves into that district contender title, but we'll get to that one, Franklin, when we get there. But they do have that potential in those matchups against your East Lakes or Eastwoods. And then, you know, right now, obviously, there's still a lot of football to be played, but I think you can pencil in an M on Montwood for that fourth playoff spot, but I wouldn't discredit Pebble Hills or America's as the season goes along. Um, you know, I think Pebble Hills obviously is very young with their uh, young quarterback, Gael Ochoa. Um, you know, obviously America's is young with their young staff, uh, with their young crew that, they, that they're trying to usher in. They can possibly challenge Montwood for that fourth playoff spot, but right now, if the season ends today and I had to pick four playoff teams, it would be Eastlake, Eastwood, Montwood, Excuse me, I skipped Franklin. Frank would be my number three. Um, and then Montwood. But like I mentioned, I don't want to sleep on Pebble Hills yet. I don't want to sleep on America's yet. Those are two teams that, you know, over the years as we looked at Adrian, 1-6-A is known for those wild upsets on those random Fridays where we don't expect anything to happen. All of a sudden, everything goes haywire. I could see America's and Pebble Hills playing spoiler to one of those top teams. So, um, you know, I, that's how I look at it as far as right now. What, what do you got as far as those, those teams that are kind of poking their playoff heads per se? Yeah, I've got the same. I've got the same one and two. I've got Eastlake one. I've got Eastwood two. I've got Montwood at three, and then Franklin coming in at four. I here's my argument against Americas and Pebble Hills. I, I feel like for Americas, they're just a year or two away. They've got so many young pieces on their team. I like what they're doing, and I agree with you. I think they play spoiler in some of these games. I, I feel like they could either upset Eastlake in that first game coming out of six A. They could take a game from Franklin or maybe from Montwood and play spoiler to one of those teams for pebble hills man i i just don't know if they're there yet and it's a little unfortunate because i know the turnover is high there i know that they're really trying to get things going and i know that they want to get back into the playoffs with that head coaching staff i I really like mark torres i i think he's a great person i just don't know about this team alex they're kind of young and then we've had this discussion with pebble hills over the years like oh they're kind of young and then over the offseason unfortunately they'll lose a couple guys not to any problem of their own but that hey they get a lot of military guys they they pull a lot of that military family audience uh over at pebble hills so i'm not sure about them and of course um I, i'm i'm pretty confident that east lake eastwood will be 1a 1b my question is what if what if we see one of these teams have two losses in their column uh, especially when it comes to district play like what if district play is just an absolute gauntlet to try to get to the top seed overall and that's what could happen when you're talking about East Lake, Eastwood, Franklin, and even Montwood. If Montwood's defense can stay healthy and continue to get better, you're talking about those three teams really sort of – or those four teams sort of beating up on each other. Like, you know, and it's happened. That That's – you know, 1-6-A is known statewide to have some parity throughout. And I think that's what you can see in, in that October 15th matchup between Eastlake and Eastwood. That could dictate it, you know, because the other team – one of those teams is going to have a one-game lead on the other – 
best team on the district. And, you know, but again, that puts a target on your back. You know what I mean? When, when you're able to go out there and, and pick up one of those marquee wins of the season. So, you know, it is going to be wide open. I, I, I do kind of see that. I think we can see a district champion with one loss, maybe even two because of good as, as good as Franklin can be and as good as Montwood's defenses could be when you're talking about, you know, matching up, you know, that that's really a big key when you're talking about defense, uh, talking about district play. Okay. What's who can match up with who Franklin right now? I think their offense can match up with anybody in that district Say in East Lake and Eastwood could probably say the same, you know, but can a Mott would say that can a Pebble Hills say that um, that's going to be the difference. Those different matchups, you know, already, you know, we're pitting this Eastwood East Lake matchup, um, you know, as far as they're both offenses, but right now East Lake may have the better defense, but is it because they haven't played an, a, a caliber of team offensively as Eastwood? That's really what, what, what I look at when I talk about prognostics and, and looking at playoff teams and potential district championships, there's some very interesting matchups and Hey, are, are, are we, are we going to, are we going to hype up Socorro coming into this or is Socorro going to get in this? Yes. Too? I mean, there's a lot of people that think that Socorro is a team that that's in Improved. Um, you know, I think they're going to give teams trouble. Um, but, you know, I mean, from top to bottom, obviously Coronado is clearly having a down year. They've only scored 14 points in their first uh, four, uh, three games so far. But, um, you know, really those top teams, I mean, it, it is going to be a gauntlet. And I would not be surprised, like I said, to see a, a 168 district championship with district champion with either one or two losses because, you know, it seems to be at the top until somebody beats somebody or somebody gets on a roll. That's how I see it. I think it's going to be a very, very tight race each week between Eastlake, Eastwood, Franklin, and on the outside looking in, you know, Montwood too. You can't discredit them, even though, like I said, they got to develop a little bit more weapons on offense, talking about those matchups that we're talking about. Um, but, you know, I really like where we're at going with Eastwood, Eastlake. And like I said, Franklin, man, I, I was impressed with Miles McWhorter. And if they get Stephen Powers back, um, that's a team that that's going to have a say in a district title. I think they're going to play all those top teams very, very tough this year. Turning the page, looking over to next week, just two games to really highlight. A lot of teams off next week because of the bye week. Uh, first game, I want to get your predictions from this one, Alex. Isleta Jefferson, great matchup uh, for this week. Uh, and this will be week four here in uh, the El Paso, Texas high school football scene. Isleta taking on Jefferson. Who you got in this one, Alex? I'm going to take the Foxes, and, and this is why. Um, and this is a credit to Coach Tony Martinez. I think, in my opinion, that the Jefferson Silver Foxes have learned to win ball games. That's a big process, man. Growing a program, um, you're talking about going on the road um, in back-to-back weeks to start off the season, beating Alpine on the road. I don't care what division Alpine is. you got to go on the road and beat, and to, to beat a team the way that they beat uh, Alpine. Then you go on the road and beat Sanelli. I know Sanelli's down, but again, you have to go on the road and do that. And then at home, beating a team, uh, Bel Air, who's in a higher district than you as far as enrollment, and you beat them pretty handily. I think it's safe to say this group of Jefferson Silver Foxes has learned to win. Now, looking at Yasleta's side of it, that's a tough loss to bounce back win. I know that they they probably took that one hard. I know that was a rivalry game. It took a lot out of them. Um, Jefferson's at home again, so I like the Foxes at home. I think it's going to be a very, very close game. But, you know, what? I, like I mentioned, my whole thing about Jefferson this year is this team knows how to win. I'm not going to get technical with what they do on offense. They have a versatile offense. They can throw the ball with you without Gala. Akala can run the ball over. They can hand it to Arturo Rubio. Their defense depth is, is going to be a problem for them um, later on in district play. But right now, it doesn't seem like it's a problem at all. I mean, that defense is playing very, very well. I think they, they every loss Jefferson or every win Jefferson's going to have this year, we're going to label it as an upset. But I think in that locker room, those guys expect to win. They know how to win. And I think we're going to see another quote-unquote upset this week. Could be another shootout, um, but I think I'll take the Foxes on this one that coach martinez has them boys in the south side rolling do the south side yes that's right i'm going with you i'm going with the foxes i think they win this one against this and I, I think it's going to be a close game i i think it's if what we saw from last week in that riverside loss is that they'll hang with you they'll hang with teams this one will be a very competitive matchup i like jefferson in a close one and then the game of the week you'll be at this one del valle versus canyatillo we alluded to it earlier here on the podcast but who you got in this one alex 
Man, this the old 2-5A rivalry, Del Valle and Canotillo. You know, I'm going to go with Del Valle in this one, but it's going to be a slobber knocker. This is going to be just like it always is when, when Del Valle and Canotillo would battle it out for that district title or that the playoff positioning uh, when Coach Perales was there. Um, it could be a high-scoring game, but I think both defenses will step up. It's going to be, obviously, two very talented tailbacks going at it. Um, but I think edge Del Valle just because of the edge that they've played with so far this year. Year. Um, but you know, hey, anything can happen on the blue turf out there, man. So you know, I, I but I really think it's going to be a close game. This one's hard to pick. I'll take Del Valle with the star power with Christian Martinez um, and, and that quarterback that's impressive uh, that's been improving as well. But um, you know, that's going to be that's a tougher one to pick. But I, I'll give it to Del Valle. I'm excited for that one. Wouldn't be surprised though if Cano Theo comes out and pulls that one out, especially in a close game. Um, that's just going to make both teams better. That's why you schedule those games. So shout out to Coach Brooks and Coach Conte us um you know gonna be an entertaining one out there on the far west side um on the blue turf over there at canotillo i'm taking canotillo in this one i'm just trying to be a little different here's the case why you know the eagles beat burgess in week one 29 22 and if you really look at that one with, with the exception of the fourth quarter they handled the mustangs i, I feel like canotillo is able to do things like that with their talented running back in lj martin with their quarterback devin granados who doesn't really make a lot of mistakes when he throws the ball and you know eight total touchdowns this year plus canotillo's defense has been improving week after week they've been impressed even though they're younger uh, than we've seen in, in years past. I'm just going to take the Eagles in this one as an upset pick. Uh, I think I, I really think you've got to look at Del Valle as the, as the clear favorites to go into this one. But uh, on that blue turf, why not? Let, let me take – I'll take Canyon Teal. I'll ride with them in this game. It'll be a fun one. I'm, I'm really thrilled about this one, Alex. Yeah, this is going to be a really good game. Like you said, a lot of teams off. All the six days are off. Uh, most of the two five A D twos are off um, in town, so this is this. All eyes are going to be on this game, and you know, like we mentioned for Del Valle, you know, when I look at Del Valle, this is going to be a game as far as you know how good is this team going to be in the playoffs as far as winning against an out of town team, something they haven't had trouble doing over the past couple of years. But this could solidify that, um, to, you know, to say you know you go on the road and you handle Canotillo, or even if you beat Canotillo, who's a good team, you know, that's what's going to show for Del Valle. For Canotillo, like I mentioned earlier, if Canotillo is able to knock off Del Valle, to me, they are the clear favorites in 158 D2. Now, I know Parkland is there and Parkland deserves that credit, um, you know, for winning, you know, three straight district titles. But, you know, Parkland right now is trying to find themselves, like we mentioned. So this is an identity finder game, I think, for each team. Whoever comes out of this is going to roll into district play and possibly roll into the playoffs with a big win on their shoulder and something to hold themselves onto. Because, like I mentioned, this is going to be a physical game. Um, this is a game that's going to be really a chess match. You know, when, when we look at what Canotillo did going back to that Burgess game where they would put eight, nine in the box, um, you know, with Burgess early on in the game. And then they would flip, they would switch it up and go with that odd mat front bring their backers up a little bit. Sometimes there was some uh, different formations where they were bringing their backers back. You know, Coach Conteras and Coach Brooks are in their staffs. They're going to go at it as far as how to stop those running backs, how to stop, um, you know, the play action passes, how to stop the read option, things that both of these teams know what they do already. Very familiar. You know, there's no, uh, no tricks in the bag that either team's going to pull out. You know, the, both these teams know each other well. It's going to be about that execution, and it's going to be about those adjustments, and that's what makes this matchup very, very interesting to me. And, uh, you know, hey, that press box over there and Canotillo is very, very nice, too. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> there you go. There you go, Alex. Hey, man, great work as always week after week. You can follow Alex on Twitter at NicholasAlex915. Check out his recaps up on our website, 600ESPNElPaso.com. When we do our week, um, you know, our weekly recaps, you can check those out. Plus, when we do our week previews you could check out his thursday night recaps as well for alex nicolas i'm adrian Bradis saying so long thanks for listening alex i really appreciate it man thanks as always for doing what you do and uh we'll we'll uh, be back next week all right man hey no problem no problem go rams we're all ram fans tonight man. <laughs> that's right that's right rams taking on the bears that's gonna be a big win for the rams i like it hey alex appreciate it again as always man all right man we'll talk to y'all next week 